0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres.
1: Yeah, joining us in this round, I should introduce him, is uh, Mark Jacobson, and he's the author of A Pale Horse. He wrote about Bill Cooper. Um, thanks for being here with us.
2: Oh, thanks a lot. I didn't
1: mean to interrupt. No, no, actually I just I should introduce you. We we all gab about this. Uh I was just gonna say I love that avianti uh called the porn lawyer, but yet the uh president's wife was in porns, right? So
2: Well I mean we're dealing with we're dealing with a kind of low bottom feeder kind of like universe here, you know. I mean, uh it it makes sense that, Donald Trump and Michael Avenatti would, like, you know, be dealing with each other kind of, but uh, you know, yeah. I don't know.
1: Same level. <laughs> hey, what was, uh, you well, know, when, you, when you wrote about Cooper, I was going to say, what what was it about uh, Cooper, do you think, that so many people followed him for? Like, why did they latch on to him? Because he's not the only conspiracy guy out there.
2: Well, I mean, uh, you know, he was, um well, first of all, uh, um, he was a, he was really kind of. There have been conspiracy guys for forever. I mean, you know, on the radio as well. I mean, people don't remember this, of course, because they probably weren't alive. But there was a guy named Father Cogwin, Name ring a bell? Um, he was a—he was a Catholic priest, and uh, he um, had a radio show once a week, and he had ninety million listeners. That's a lot of people. In the 19, 1930s and 40s, and he was an American firster, and like, you know, some of these kind of things are, you know, I'm not going to make a political judgment about his positions, but he was a kind of like American Nazi guy, and he had plenty of conspiracy theories about different groups that he didn't like. And, um, so, you know, this is not anything that's new, but, uh, Bill Cooper, um, you know, he had a, he just, well, a lot of it goes to the fact that Bill Cooper was just really kind of very inventive. I mean, there are plenty of conspiracy guys. I mean, uh, at the time, even when he was doing it, there's a whole. I mean, are you, are you, do you include uh, UFO stuff in conspiracy? I mean, I'm looking for the categories in which you're working well, we, with.
1: Yeah, for sure, because well, you know, a lot of the conspiracies are aimed at even Kennedy, like with Cooper being uh, going to release about the, the aliens being in control and and. That whole theory came out. So, yeah, UFOs, aliens can be involved, totally.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it depends on how, it depends on kind of what your definition of conspiracy is in a way. But, I mean, Cooper covers the whole nine yards. He's covering the whole warfront of conspiracies, what, <laughs> what is now called conspiracy theory. Um, for owen and Kennedy, the UFOs, uh, and through his career he touched on uh, secret societies and, you know, there were all kinds of political different conspiracy things during the militia period, you know, um, whether or not Tim Hume was responsible for blowing up the uh, Oklahoma City Murrah building, federal building in, uh, in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, it just was, <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, I, as we discussed this before, I mean, uh, when you begin to lose trust in the official narrative, I mean, all bets are off, you know, <laughs> you can... You know, that's why uh, you're just saying, I mean, like, okay, so we've got the, uh, a guy who is like, uh, has a very good chance of sitting on the Supreme Court, like one of the nine biggest, you know, most powerful justices in the entire country. I mean, there's only, people say there's only 32 NFL quarterbacks, and it's a really rare species, but there's only nine of these guys, that's even more rare, so, uh and, um, you know, so he's, sitting there saying that like, you know, this is the revenge of the Clintons, you know, which you know, somebody might want to you know, whether or not it's true or not is some might want to hear from alice Jones or something like that, not from a guy who's like, you know, gonna be a Supreme Court justice who's gonna be passing on the most important issues of the day, the real issues of the day. Um and um you know, so you got this kind of thing where like it's it's not just the people on the radio or uh you know, people that you know that used to used to like, and you know, you'd go into the truck stop, and there'd always be a guy outside who was screaming at the at the sky, and he had all kinds of ideas about like you know, the world's coming to an end, and the kind of stuff like that. And you know, you just sort of like, well, there's a guy who's screaming at the sky that the world is coming to an end, but now everybody does it, so you know, it's become this kind of like more or less uh, universal currency. And I think that that's one of the big reasons why the Democrats, for instance, are going to doom to lose all these elections because they think that they're too smart or to take into consideration that um, people believe in all kinds of stuff. And and your your belief, how much you believe, I mean, it's hard to quantify that. You know, if you believe in one thing and I believe in another, does that make my belief better than yours? I mean, you know. Yeah, it's it's just a deep, I think it's a deep it's a deep issue and it requires some kind of uh, like I can see uh, in the near future there might be some college courses um, you know Conspiracy 101 Conspiracy 201 <laughs> I teach it already <laughs> you teach it already? yeah well, I mean you know I mean why don't they have that at Yale they kind of, I mean Yale is like where the skull and bones is from and they ought to know more about it than anybody <laughs> you know I mean, I just find this stuff to be endlessly fascinating, you know, and I'm like a hard news, 45 years, I was, you know, 40 years I've been a hard news reporter for, you know, any magazine that you might want to mention, Rolling Stone and New York Magazine and National Geographic I work for, and this stuff, you know, this stuff that we're not supposed to pay attention to seems more interesting than what they claim is the facts, you know, so, I've been sort of like, you know, ghettoized by my former colleagues, but I find it to be fascinating. <laughs> well,
1: I, <laughs> you know? I, I think it's fascinating, but it, I, it just it reminds me of the old National Enquirer days where it was bathroom reading, you know, um, space aliens yeah, well, you know, and all the, that.
2: Yeah, but I mean, where, how did the, the World Weekly News move from the thing that you read while you were standing on the line at the supermarket checkout counter, to being something that people are actually discussing that might actually be, you know, that's really the truth, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, at what point does that move from the needle move to, to the point where, like, it's it's okay to think that anything bad that happens that recovers requires money if you're on the rise? It must be George Soros must be behind it, right? <laughs> He's got more money than anybody ever lived. <laughs> He's responsible for everything. I mean, you know, um and then, of course, and then on the other side, it's, it's the Clintons, you know. And um, I don't. This this can't all be true. I mean, it's just n- nobody has enough hours in the day to be skull enough to come up with all these different things. So, but people seem to seem to, seem to buy it, you know. So I don't know. It's 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 a it's it's a a subject for further research. No doubt about it. So let me and ask Bill
0: you. Cooper, you, you, yeah, you know, in writing about Cooper, do you, was he a true believer, and and why do you think he got to that point?
2: Well, I think, well, I mean, I, I don't mean to say this in any way to besmirch the reputation of Bill Cooper, because I wrote a whole book about him, so I obviously think he's an interesting guy. But I, that said, I would say this is a point in which the con man begins begins to believe his own con, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know you say something long enough and then you begin to actually believe it uh, I, don't, I think it, with Bill Cooper I mean he's a very complicated guy and he wasn't necessarily doing it for the money so he's not saying this stuff just to get an audience I mean I think anything about the Constitution or the problems with America or that kind of stuff he's like 100% believes all that and he's pretty sharp about that and I agree with a lot of the stuff he says you know, when he's saying that the driver of the car shot President Kennedy, I mean, I don't think that he believes this for a moment. You know, it's just a, it's just a gimmick. He's like the latest sell, sell stuff. But, um, you know, that's what made him interesting because he's part P.T. Barnum and part, uh, part like a real prophet of a sort, you know, so that's a kind of fascinating individual. Makes him a great American as far as I can tell. Because America is like, you know, There's a lot of mythology in America. John Wayne, do you think he really was a great guy when you look at it all? You know what? (laughs) I mean, I I don't think those Westerns would go over that well now. Yeah, no. (laughs) That was one myth of the way the country was, and people believed it, and now they don't. So, you know, what are you going to do?
1: But it's starting to cross into science. I mean, it's starting to get where people, um, you know, the world's flat and... uh, and we've never been to the moon. And, and people really believe
2: that. You think? You think people really believe the world's flat? That's, yeah, that, that's I, one of the things I'm always wondering about. You think they do? They really oh do? Yeah, I've, I've,
1: well, I've had them on the show. I had Mark Sargent, who runs it. He has a membership of over a hundred thousand people in the states, and the UK version has three hundred thousand people belong to it. So, you've got almost a half a million people believing the world. Well, how come
2: there? nobody ever falls off? I don't get
1: it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, why don't they just fall up? Well, this is it. This is what I mean by um they've kind of walked away or they've turned their back to science and it it goes into anything, even global warming, whatever people say about it um it's all political what they talk about. They're not talking about um any of the evidence or facts, whether it's true or not. They talk about whether it's a conspiracy it's Monsanto's or it's uh you know, Bill Gates.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's always got to be somebody somebody responsible. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, and that's. There's
2: sort always got to be somebody to point the finger at who's doing this.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of disturbing. You know, I could. <laughs> the first thing I saw this morning was that uh, there's a picture going around with the, um, Dr. Ford, the Kavanaugh accuser, her lawyer, um, mm-hmm. coming out of Hillary Clinton's house drunk. <laughs> and, that's, and that's going around and then of course well, the it's mean, not even if a if real really, picture. if it
2: really was you, you know. well I don't know I mean I, you know, that's one of the things I worry about I, I, I'm not worried I mean I wonder about I mean when you say the world is flat you know I mean does it start as some kind of like I think it's some of this stuff is it's like kind of a backlash against like what you learned in school like you know you, you felt that they jammed them, jammed all this stuff down your throat, you know, including if the fact that the world was round, even though they have these pictures, you know, which I'm sure are all fake, of course. Yeah, they're <laughs> you fake. <know>, from fake, <laughs> showing this thing fingers round, right? So how can you, um, like, for instance, uh, I don't know, I'd like to ask you, Joe, um, you're a conspiracy guy, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, which conspiracies? Which conspiracies, this is something I think about, wonder, every so often. Uh, Not necessarily in regards to Bill Cooper. But um, which conspiracies do you think are the least interesting of the official conspiracies? I mean, like the ones that are just too dumb for for words.
0: I I mean, immediately coming to mind is the lizard people thing. So the idea idea that...
2: David Icke. Yeah, David
0: Icke stuff um, seems to go... um, um, too far, because if he, cause he's got like 10 or 12 books written about this where you have shape-shifting interdimensional lizards who rule the planet from a moon base and have been interbreeding with humans for years, and they control the royal family and every leader on the planet. It just doesn't, it, you know... <laughs>
2: I mean, if I didn't know anything about David Icke and all this kind of stuff like that, and I heard that, I would just say that, well, that sounds like a science fiction book, right?
0: Yeah, um, but he... But, know, I mean, you know, so, so how is that different, you know? But he, but he, the thing with David Icke is he does very well for himself. I mean, he does these tours where he sells out and, you know, people see him for 12 hours, then at the end of the show they come on stage with him and dance away the conspiracy. So, I mean, he's got... Hardcore believers out there. Um, not a lot, but, but they're convinced.
2: Well, I, like, for instance, I would say, from my point of view, I mean, one, one some conspiracies that bother me are ones like, we didn't go to the moon. Like, that's a fairly standard. Like, when you say you're a truther, I mean, that comes along with your uh, basic belly weight, that you believe that we didn't really go to the moon. Now, I, I was trying to think about, like, you know, what is the reason... That people think we didn't go to the moon. Um, now, you think about it, and for instance, there was a movie called Capricorn One, which came out in 1970, early 1970s, not long after the supposed moon landing. Right. Had Elliot Gould in it, and, and, um, it was about exactly that, that the moon landing was fake. And so, I think it had and O.J. Simpson in it. Yeah. Did it have O.J. Simpson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, 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 there's a certain things called synchronicity, you know? <laughs> 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 of course it had okay But um, you know what I mean, like, so I'm thinking that, like, what's there's that, you know, that's a, that was a very entertaining movie. I remember liking it quite a bit. And um, and then there's also this kind of, like, more deeper and kind of, uh, you know, a, a kind of something that's worth thinking about a little bit. I, I think a lot of people think that human beings are really either stupid, at their core, or like you know, they really couldn't—they couldn't have gone to the moon. They must be fake, you know. But actually, people are really kind of smart, and you know, I figure, like, well, you know, if they could do—if they could do, do stuff like you know, invent language and you know, uh, do all these other things, why couldn't they go to the moon? It's just a technical thing. You just need to build a rocket and
0: zoom over there, right? Um, so, what, what do you think about that? Well, not a lot of people believe in the moon stuff. I mean, when when we poll on it, it comes out about five percent. So it's it, as oh, a conspira- really? yeah, as a conspiracy theory, it's it's you know it's well known, but it doesn't have a lot of believers in the U.S. And I think part of it is because it's it's a point of national pride to believe that we landed on the moon. If you go to Europe and ask the question, I think it's almost twenty percent of people in France think we faked it.
2: Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that doesn't. You know, those are the kind of things like what you just said are the kind of things I, you know, I, you know, I would like to hear that kind of stuff because you know some of this stuff is like it's just fun. You know, like um, you ever hear the writer named Ken Thomas? So mm-hmm. name with uh, and he, he used to be the head of this thing called the Steam Shovel Press, and they put out a, they put out a lot of books about this kind of. there was a guy named Jim. What's his name? Jim Keith. Jim Keith wrote several of these books, and you can look them up. They're kind of really interesting. They're written in the 1990s, a contemporary with Bill Cooper. Um, and they're kind of like, take a kind of longer view of conspiracy and uh, stuff like that, which it wasn't, wasn't really codified to be called conspiracy at that time. It was more like, you know, different different kinds of like, because it came right out of the kind of left-wing stuff, about the Kennedy assassination. I mean, the Kennedy assassination. Most of the people who were so-called Kennedy researchers were all on the left, yeah. not on the right. I mean, the right-wing guys were the ones that were defending the uh, defending the official stories, that like you know, Harvey Oswald acted alone or something like that, because they were the people that believed in the government, and um, and then then somewhere along the way, it switched. They things switched sides. Uh, and uh, that's, that's an interesting point about when that happens. And I actually asked Paul Krasner, are you familiar with this person? No. Paul Krasner? Oh, Paul, oh, you should look him up. He's a great guy. He started this magazine called The Realist in New York. And he was like, you know, he was one of the first guys to ever, um, take on this kind of material in a kind of modern way. But to get Ken Thomas, I mean, he was the guy that invented the, uh, the the term power politics. So, in other words, it wasn't really conspiracy; it was just power politics. It was like more like a alternative narrative of what might have happened. But in any event, I wanted to know when these things would switch from the left to the right. You know, you know, arguably speaking, you know, what we consider to be the left wing and the right wing. Um, and I asked Krasner, and he said it was like when, when people, he said it was the Marshall Tucker Band. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah, the Marshall Tucker Band. Remember them? They were these guys that were like, used to play Southern Rock, like the Allman Brothers and stuff like that? Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm following you. he said, well, when they people went to the Marshall Tucker Band, they used to smoke marijuana. I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, everybody knows that marijuana makes you paranoid. You know, some people <laughs> so so and once 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 these kind of farm guys began smoking marijuana, they had a whole new aspect on things and they began to doubt what they had been told in schools just the way we did. Mm. So, uh not nah, I'm not putting myself in one bag or the other at the moment. But uh, you know, so and that that seemed to be a kind of interesting comment about conspiracy that it kinda of depends a little bit on what drugs you're taking. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, I think that's, that's not something that people never talk about it, right? They just, it, but, I mean, you wonder, like, why people believe these things. That like, you know, you can't really understand, like, why would somebody believe that? You know, but um, on the other hand, you know, I think it's is very, very well grounded in a lot of ways because, I mean, you know, on my Instagram post, I think that everybody should follow me on Instagram. It's called Paul, Pale Horse Rider Book, um, just just follow. Yeah. Don't even ask any questions, just do it. So, like, uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 there's a guy named John McCloy. John McCloy is, the, he was a CIA director. He's basically the inventor of the world, American Cold War world after World War II. He was a CIA director, he was the president of the World Bank. He was the head of the C- CFR. He was a, he was the top guy in the trilateralist. I mean, he had the whole nine yards. This guy, everything, everything that people are suspicious of, he did. You know, he was the boss. And um, so, I mean, like I figure, like, well, between Bill Cooper and this guy, I mean, I, I'd rather believe Bill Cooper any day. You know, because I know this guy's a is a is a bad guy. You know, <laughs> he's the one that is responsible for all kinds of horrible stuff. Including putting the Japanese people in, he's the one that made the decision to put Japanese people in the, in the internment camps out there in the West, where you guys are from. And also, he was against, um uh, bombing the, the rail lines to, uh, Auschwitz when they knew that they would, they would, they were. that's how the prisoners got there. He, he, he said it was like not, it had no war application. And he was in the OSS and you know, the, every, the whole laundry list of this kind of stuff. So, I mean, you're not going to... And this is a guy that's basically establishing the reality of the kind of stuff that I grew up with, because I'm like, you know, in this baby boomer generation. So, I mean, when I listen to something like John McCloy or Alan Dulles or any of these kind of like gangster types, you know, that, um, and later on, you know, the the same kind of people were the guys that were in the Bush cabinet, like Rumsfeld and Richard Pearl, those kind of guys. I mean, I'm not going to believe them, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it becomes like, sort of like, well, what else do you got? You know, you know, this reality is not for me. I don't buy it. So what else do you got? And then, you know, when somebody like Bill Cooper, who is a very convincing guy, comes along and starts saying stuff like that, I mean, I think that, like, you know, you go like, yeah, I like that. You know, I'm, I, maybe I'm going to go with that, you know. And, uh, and Cooper's right enough. You know, he's right enough to make to kind of to kind of work out his bona fides. I try to make it really clear in the book. I mean, in my book, it was "Pale Horse Rider," available from Random House, Penguin Random House, on your local Amazon site. Um, the uh, you know, it kept on coming up. Like, you know, how could you know how how do people how do people come to this conclusion? What, what 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 is it about this particular guy? The same question that you asked? I mean, what is it about this particular guy that made him catch on as as and, I mean, he wasn't that popular. I mean when he was alive, he's more popular now than he ever was. and um it's kind of like I thought he's a real American. I mean, he's got the american kind of he he's living through American history during the last third of the twentieth century. He was in Vietnam. He, you know, he did that. He was like, you know, he got PTSD in, in, in Vietnam. He was walking around with like, you know, they put him in the VA twice. He was in the VA as an inpatient. Um, he had all these wrecked marriages. I mean, he was just this kind of guy who was looking for some other way to be because he couldn't. He obviously was having a hard time inside, living inside his own skin. Because all this st- stuff kept happening to him. He lost his leg in a motorcycle accident. And, 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 uh, like, If you want to like, ask about Bill Cooper's veracity quotient, I would say that the thing he writes about in, Be- in Behold the Pale Horse about how he was run off the road by these guys with like, men in black, and that's how he lost his leg. Uh, I would say that was probably not accurate. I mean, in my black. reporting... Well, I mean, it could have been where, but I don't think that it really exactly happened. But, uh, you know, I, the reason why I say that is because, you know, I read the FBI report where his father said that it, not, that it never happened. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, but everybody makes up their own their own um, story. I mean, it depends on how you feel about those kinds of things. Is that a lie or is that just sort of like, you know, a metaphor? Yeah. Which is a lot of things. When you go in conspiracy theory, is it a lie? Is it
0: this sort of thing? Ain't my bag, baby. You know,
2: or is it, or is it a metaphor for the actual truth of the matter that you're never going to find out?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think the problem now is that things are becoming manufactured. Like Bill Cooper w- would be able to say this happened to me, and it might be an exaggeration, might not be a realistic, but w- you know, like yeah. today when I'm seeing posts of. Pictures of Hillary Clinton with this lawyer—it's that's been synthetically—it's it's been manufactured, and it's it's happening well, differently now. People are manufacturing these conspiracies.
2: Well, the, I think the, the answer in that is 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 very simple. I mean, uh, when Bill Cooper was coming up with his best stuff, I mean, not all this stuff is good, but some of this stuff is great. Um, this machine called the computer, didn't exist, at least as, as uh, you know, the Internet didn't really exist. I mean, it was around, but, you know, you could send emails on it and stuff like that or go on those bulletin boards with those long lines if anybody remembers this. Yeah. The, only, the only way people would ever go on the Internet is to go join these bulletin boards where you'd post this long, long stuff, and most of the, the first computer I ever had had these little green letters on it, you know, and it was oh, like, they was. were kind of like, they would kind of twinkle and stuff like that, so it gives you a real headache looking at this stuff. I mean, they didn't have pictures; they didn't have any of that stuff. So it's only after, really, after nine eleven, that you get into what it is now. You know, that's when it feels. That's when the kind of stuff that we're looking at now really begins to happen because the technology was not available, and I think that has a lot to do with it.
1: So in, in 9-11, what was Cooper's thought on
2: 9-11? Well, Cooper, um, one of the things that he did, which has really made me admire his ability to be able to come up with alternative narrative, is Cooper was sitting there watching the, he was on the radio that day on a, short, a shortwave radio show called Hours of Time. He was on for about 10 or 11 hours straight and um, just, you know, more or less calling the, Events and um, what was the question again? Tell me again.
1: <laughs> what, what did you think of nine eleven? Like I know, kind of know what he. Oh, said.
2: What you think of it, what, but, oh yeah, what, what he did was. Um, sorry about that. You know, when you get to be old, and <laughs> you know, you <laughs> anyway, but the thing that Cooper did, which was kind of incredible, I thought, was that he more or less came up with the ins- the entire. The whole dossier of the 9-11 is an inside job stuff in real time. He was sitting there going like this, those planes couldn't have brought down the building. I mean, everything that you see in loose change or any of those kind of things, basically Cooper mentioned them in real time while he was watching the event on television. Mm. And I think that this is really, he said there was, there were definitely shaved charges attached to the buildings. You know this. You know just whatever you want. He said you can listen to the broadcast. It's really kind of illuminating about how this guy was somebody who could just kind of like talk this stuff, and it all made sense. Because if you were not going to believe that those planes brought down the building, there had to be some way to fell down. You know i'm not I'm, I'm ruling out the hologram people at the moment <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know i don't know that they're wrong but i'm ruling them out for now <laughs> so uh you know at a certain point you begin you know like and i think really the first time i really ever got into the new kind of conspiracy thing was i did a long piece from new york magazine about 9-11 conspiracy about the 9-11 troop movement which had just begun in really 2004 it didn't start up immediately after the events it didn't really get like you know speed and kind of like uh... gravitas until like two or three years later because i was at several of these meetings i don't know if you know new york very well but there's a place called the saint march church it's one of the oldest buildings in new york city and it's kind of a hallowed building you know in the sense of like you know, beatniks like Allen Ginsberg, first read his poem "Howl" there and stuff like that. So this was the kind of place where people would gather if they had a big uh, issue on their mind. And the, the the guy who was the pastor of the church, or one of the pastors, a guy named Frank Morales, had, was somebody who had gone down to not kind of gone down to the uh, to try to help the people who were like still covered with all the rubble and. A lot of people told him that that didn't happen the way they say. And he just believed that. So he started this group, and um, they came around with, you know, several of the. I mean, I guess anybody who's, like, you know, conversing with the 9-11 truth movement can just tell you that five or six things that most people believe that are ascribed to that point of view of what, what happened. And, um, you know, so Bill, But Bill Cooper had already spelled them all out in 2001 you know, three years before they actually reached the kind of popular critical mass in the popular culture. So, in that way, he was very prophetic about a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, there's all kinds of prophecies, you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know,
2: some people well, are going to tell he, you tomorrow you're going to get hit by a car, you know, something, <laughs> you know, whatever that is.
1: Yeah, he, he sort of knew how people were going to think. He knew how, knew that, how um, Yeah, I think he was surprised because of the... um uh, CNN report and the reporter being able to interview uh, Osama bin Laden um, and uh, nobody being able to find bin Laden. I think that was sort of... Well, that's was,
2: that's important for sure. Um, that's important. But the, the, the idea of like, if you go from like, yeah, something big is going to, like what Cooper actually said, which was something big is going to happen and they're going to blame it on Osama bin Laden. And when you hear that, don't ever believe it. That's the paraphrase of what he said, you know. And uh, But to go from that point of view to, like, all these different machinations of, like, how those... These were the tallest buildings in the world. They weren't, like, you know, a couple of little bars down in the corner. I mean, they were huge. I mean, I live in New York City. I mean, like, you know, any time you go across the Brooklyn Bridge there, they beat you. I mean, it was, like, massive. And, um, to bring down those buildings, it could, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, it's hard to even conceive that it really even happened For somebody who grew up with those buildings. I remember them building the building. So, um, and I was there the day that, the mean, I was a reporter. I went down there the very day that it happened by 11. So, you know, it was just this graphic thing and very powerful, emotional stuff. And, um, to be about the guy, and Cooper took it as a, a powerful emotional thing, but yet he was able to come through with this kind of very concise, you know, dossier about how the the they whoever was responsible for it had accomplished this. So I thought that's like kind of, I mean, it's just worth thinking about, you know. And I I hate the liberals that put every everybody, they just assume that this kind of anybody thinks like that, they must be wrong. They can't possibly be right. You know, there's no way in a million years that they can be right. So and that's um I think those people are you know, don't really get the credit for being as narrow minded as some other people, you know. You know, yeah. so they all think that they're very liberal and they got a lot of like, you know, they're open to all kinds of ideas. But that is not true. So, um not any more than like, you know, I had a big argument with one of these guys. Well, we eventually made up, I'm happy to say. There's a guy uh, on Instagram and you know, I said that Bill Cooper, in my book, I say that Bill Cooper, I wish I had said Bill Cooper believed in aspects of of evolution, but I didn't say that. I said he believed in evolution because in my analysis of his positions, he believes in evolution, at least he believed in some evolutionary theory, right? So the guy writes me a letter saying that.
0: Yeah, baby!
2: Because... Bill Cooper was a believer in God and he couldn't possibly believe in evolution. So I wrote him back. I said, I believe in God and evolution. What's wrong with that? So like, you know, um, you know, it was like sort of like I think this is a false dichotomy, you know, and I think you should I think you should do what Bill Cooper would tell you to do. Do your research and figure out like whether or not you really believe this before you just parrot it. And um, you know, he never came off that. I mean he, to this day you'll think I'm like lying about that. But he did read the book. I mean, it was kind of a very. It, it was the best thing that happened, really, in a way, the entire time since I published this book because this guy was trashing me on the Internet. And then I wrote him back, you know, like a maniac, and said, like, uh, well, you I mean, did you read the book? And he said, well, no. I said, I know you haven't read it because it's not even out yet. So, like, um, so I said, look, I'll send you a copy of the book. So I sent him a copy of the book, and I, we made a deal that he would read the book, and um, if he still felt it was full of shit, he would, you know, he could just throw it away. If he thought that it had some worth whatsoever, he would have to buy a copy for a friend of his. <laughs> so, and uh, he accepted this deal, and uh, then he wrote back and said he really liked the book. And I told him, oh, wow, you know, it's better than a review in the New York Times. I mean, you know, it just it just kind of made me feel like that's what I wanted to do. That's what, that's what the book's about. You yeah. know, trying to figure out, like, why people think these things and just sort of talk about it as opposed to, like, saying, you know, George Soros is like, you know, the way things are. You know? Yeah. Well, you mentioned,
1: about how, thing, you, know? you, you mentioned a lot about how um, it's the most read book in prison. And um, mm-hmm. why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think it has a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, I... I couldn't tell you 100%. What I think, what I would theorize about that, um, is that Bill Cooper was somebody who believed in the devil, and um, and and more or less. Uh, I think we discussed this before. But the thing is that um, the uh, he was looking for the reason why things don't work out very well, you know. And um, then he and he eventually went through the aliens from outer space and. The secret societies and everything like that and he came to this place where most people wind up coming to if they're really thinking about that the idea of the nature of existence of evil is there really a force in this world that that, that does evil stuff and then you know and then what is the personification of that is the devil or whatever you know every culture has got their own devil hmm. so um it's true there's always somebody and um and uh, you know, actually, we won't go into. But the African cultures are different that way a little bit. But um, the uh, so, in any event, so like people in jail are always wondering, like, how the hell did I get here? You know I mean, like, you know, what happened? It, you know, yeah, okay, I, I might have I might have hit that woman with a car, and then I was a hit and run driver <laughs> or something like that. But but it, but it wasn't really. Oh, you know, and I'm, I don't mean this as a joke necessarily. It'd be hard to find people in, in jail that really think they're joking. You know, uh, um, in the in the larger sense of things, there's always some reason why they wound up there. And um, you know, society's unfair. I, I need money for my family. You know, the laws are unfair. Whatever, whatever it is, you know, which are many of these things are legitimate. I think because society is not really constructed in a fair way. So. Um, you know, so, and Bill Cooper was like thinking, trying to think through the same problem. You know, but he wasn't in jail. I mean, you know, but, I mean, there's a reason why Alex Jones called his original program, I think, it was called Prison Planet. I mean, there's a sense that, um, the Earth, and this is a typical standard, um, conspiracy theory. I don't know, if you, Joe, if you've heard this one, but I mean, the, the Earth is a prison planet for some larger group of aliens and <laughs> sort of like australia used to be so uh and anyhow um so you know this this idea of um, of being incapacitated in you know like incarcerated because uh, people like bill cooper i think he was like really felt that he was being incarcerated by the evil forces that were like attacking his life and and because, I mean, he wanted things to be a certain idealistic kind of way, and, you know, God bless him. But, um, you know, it wasn't turning out that way for one reason or another. And, um, you know, so you couldn't get a more close... I mean, you are people that are actually locked up, and most of them are locked up because they're... Most of the people in the, in the prisons where this book began to get read and were African-Americans. I mean, it's just a fact. And... Um, and... Uh, then, then it became a thing which was I write about in the book. It's really one of the most best parts of the book, I think. Um, where, you know, certain people, African Americans in jail, began to uh, a lot of them ascribe to this guy's theory of the five percent movement, which you can just look it up or something like that. But it's like basically the, this guy um, Clarence Clarence Thirteen X decided that one hundred percent of the people in the world. And 85% of them were the sheeple, like, you know, what Bill Cooper called call the sheeple. And, uh, you know, like they, they, they just go along, whatever's happening, you know, they, they go to work at 9 o'clock and come home at 5 o'clock and they live and they die according to the rules of the society. And then there were 10% of the people who were making the rules of the society. And these were what they called the bloodsuckers, right? But then there were 5% of the people, the poor righteous teachers, who are going to actually do something and change this world, you know, which is, you know, when you think about it, a lot of revolutionary movements are like that. They got the 5% of the people that know, really know what's going on, you know, and they're going to do something about it. And most of the early rappers were members of this group. Everybody from Tupac Shakur to uh, Buster Rhymes, uh, from, you know, Mob Deep. Um, and most specifically the Wu-Tang Clan so they were all, all 5% so whether they'd been in jail or not and um, so they adopted this kind of feeling uh, of like you know and, and the Cooper book became a text it became a, a sort of a you know, you read this and you find out and the fact that Cooper was a big fat white guy who lived in uh, Arizona who worked in naval intelligence made it even more true you know it made it even more like, well, why would he be saying that unless it was true? So, you know, then you've got a situation where, like, I would say the people that are, most of my audience are reading this book are either right-wing, right-leaning libertarians or hip-hop guys. <laughs> this is the people I want to read it. You know, so, uh, you know. Well, that's
1: it's the same thing. thing.
2: I mean, well, I don't know if it's the same thing, but there are definitely related, you know.
1: Well, no, that's Joe. True. That described him to the T. Yeah. Is that right, Joe?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean... You're a gr- you're well, guy thing, and all that kind of stuff? I mean, the thing that you seem to be talking about, it's like the movie They Live by John Carpenter. Oh, of course, man. That was, and that's, that, and, and, you know, and i got to say, and, Bill Cooper was the yeah. first guy to pick up on that. <laughs>
2: I mean, I come here to chew bubblegum and kick I'm <laughs> all out of bubblegum, right? You know, the Rowdy Rowley-Piper line? Yeah. Um, oh, that's a great movie. I mean, you know, that is really one of the great movies of modern, modern of the modern world. And John Carpenter has been not fully recognized for his finger on the pulse of what's really going on in this world. You know, people want well, to go to these Steven Spielberg movies, but it's really John Carpenter. He knows what's going on. But it's, it seems like
0: something that's really ingrained in us, that there's this anti-elite sentiment that sometimes spins out of control and comes and gets expressed like in a they live scenario. Like, oh, you know, they're elites. They're obviously blood-sucking aliens, sucking the life out of us. Um, well, I mean, you, you can't really, if your boss is the guy you hate, <laughs> what, what is that going to do you? You
2: know, what, are you going to kill him or something? I mean, you're not, <laughs> so not going to shoot the guy. He's going to have to put up with it. He's a prick, right? So, like, you know... Uh, why not, you know, the human mind is endlessly fertile in its ability to uh, repress and kind of like, you know, make other kinds of associations. So why not these guys? That <laughs> There's so many hilarious sequences and they live. Right? <laughs> you know, when he's just sort of like walking along, you know, and he puts his sunglasses on and he goes, what? But it's like it's it's one of the great movies of, of to me. It's fantastic. It's like right there with two thousand and one. You know.
0: <laughs> well, it's like, something to be said for this view that there's an alternative reality reality that we could only see if we either yeah, open no, our I, mind I, 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 or yeah. had the right sunglasses or whatnot. Well, that's um, what
2: I think about the drug. The, that's why I mentioned drugs. I mean, you know, if stoners have a different reality than non-stoners, they really they do. You know, I can tell you that from personal experience. Um, but, but the, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's one of these, this reality today is like pretty grim, it seems like. You know, you want to have a certain kind of scrim to be able to look through it so it makes some kind of sense to you. I mean, I think that's why those fundamentalist guys in the Middle East are like, what are they, what is the modern world going to offer them? Not much, I would say. You know, I'm not using the way they do these things are insane but you know fundamentalism at least if you follow the, the quran or something like that at least it makes sense to them so why would you want to become like you're going to put on a business suit and try to become just like an american i mean that doesn't seem so great you know um you know see so you got these uh you got these different kinds of things where people you know they don't want to believe what is. you know because it's and, and they're kind of too lazy to do anything about it, and not too lazy or too powerless to do anything about changing it because you don't really know what you want instead. And then, you know, you get to the point where you're trying to figure out, like, well, how did this happen? Just like those guys in prison who are wondering, how the hell did I get here, man? If like, I would only taken that car instead of this car, you know, I mean, the cops wouldn't have caught me or whatever it is, you know. And and then you, you know, I know, mean, I think that's what Bill Cooper is really, you know, he's really the guy who kind of, without really even 100% knowing it, I mean, he just was, like, ahead of his time. He was, like, ahead of the curve in this kind of thinking, which is the reason why he came up with this stuff about 9-11, three years before everybody else. did. So, you know, I mean, there's still no proof that, 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 that it wasn't uh, that it wasn't the two plain. You know, there's all kinds of stuff you read on the Internet, but there's no real proof. You know, there's no real proof that it happened the other way, you know. And so It's like you're basically arguing about things where people are never gonna know the answer to. So and that's just fine, you know. I mean, you know, you gotta talk about something. <laughs> you know, you're a living <laughs> from breathing human being. You gotta talk about something. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean I think but Yeah, most of them, them sound like, like
1: they'd be a good movie, that's all. But uh that's yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I agree I agree
1: yeah, so, you know, they, I was just going to say your book I mean, Pale, The Pale Horse Rider uh, now that's available yeah. everywhere it's out now um,
2: it, it, yeah, it's, out out. In, it's out in the bookstores and they can get it on online in different places
1: and response to it have you had any uh, feedback yeah,
2: on, yeah. I got yeah, um, some nice reviews I got, uh, I got one guy who said I was a CIA shill so uh i think that i think that was the best review i got and i was saying i told alan the other day i mean i said uh if i'm working for the cia where's my check
0: yeah
2: (laughs) where's my money i want my money so um you know i mean you're gonna get this it's actually the response has been kind of interesting because i really didn't know who who was going to read this book you know if anybody so like um and uh i and And feeling that it's the people that you know the the people who exist outside the main culture are the people that are interested in the book, which is fine I mean that's kind of the people I wrote the book for, so and I, you know it's fine i mean it's it's just you know the the Wall Street Journal trashed it, but I figured that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, they got like, a very lukewarm, very lukewarm review from the Wall Street Journal. Which they never reviewed any of my books before. I mean, there were several books that have never, ever been reviewed in the Wall Street Journal. But this book, they reviewed it right away, and they said it blew. So, well,
1: you know, well, at least they're so talking you, about you. Do whatever, do whatever you want from that. So, yeah. At least they're talking about you, right? So, Yeah, I spelled you know, so my name right and everything. Well, there you go. It's been a great conversation. Again, um, our guest has been Mark Jacobson. Thank you for being on the show. Anytime.
0: To find out more about our show, guests or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com.
2: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
1: Well, good night.